be a princess. What you do is very important. People depend on you. It all begins with a princess who runs away. We have to find her. I'm sure she just went for a walk. Oh, my camera is gone. Stop those guys. And finds. Hey, we meet again. Yes, we do. Her fairy tale ending. You don't know who she is? No. You are a princess because if you're a duchess or countess or any of those, deals off. Once Upon a Holiday. On Hallmark Channel, the heart of TV. Hello again, and welcome back to another solo stocking stuffer edition. I am Emily, and I am here now to talk about a new Hallmark movie. This is the one that, like, maybe you set your DVR for if you were crazy like that. And this one is called Once Upon a Holiday. So right away from the title, we know we've got some kind of fairy tale thing going on, right? Yeah, sure, totally. Okay, great. So Once Upon a Holiday is directed by James Head, who does basically lots of TV in Canada. Um, funny enough, from what I can see, nobody wrote this movie, according to IMDb. Now, I could have just paid attention to the credits, but on IMDb, there's no writer credited for this movie. So make of that what you will. It tells you a lot. Uh, and I guess also of note on IMDb, this movie has a 6.3 rating. So, you know, you think like in terms of our ratings, that's like average, right? But for IMDb, that's really high. So people seem to really like this movie. Am I one of them? I mean, no, but yes, you know how that goes. So this movie, give you a quick little breakdown, uh, stars Brianna Evigon as, uh, as Katie. Now, Katie is not just some chick named Katie. Katie is a princess because in the world of Hallmark, um, there are tiny countries that have royalty. Uh, sort of like if anybody remembers uh, who wants to who wants to date a prince, a reality show that aired once on Fox in like 2002, uh, and the whole thing was it was a sort of bachelorette but compressed into one hour where they were trying to date a prince. And of course the prince comes out and you're like, who the fuck is this prince? What is he the prince of? And it's some tiny spot of land somewhere in Europe. And that is what Katie is the princess of. She is the princess of a country named Montserrat. So you can keep butchering it to like Montessori or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Montserrat is a small country somewhere where nobody, everybody has American accents of different sorts. Like Katie sounds like Brianna Evigon, which we'll get to Whereas um, her, like, handler aunt sounds like a very non-British but trying to speak British type person. So that's where she's from. Now, we do eventually get there, kind of, sort of. But this movie, guys, is not called Christmas in the City, but it is set in the city. Not just any city, but I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We need... Before we get to the setting, which is, this is one of the most exciting settings ever, and I'll tell you why very shortly, uh, to give you the quick synopsis. So Katie is a princess, and her parents are dead, and she's coming to New York for a concert, because the princess of Montserrat has to present the concert. Uh, but Katie, like, is so tired of being a princess, guys, because it's really hard to be a princess. Like, everybody likes you and watches you, even if you're the princess of a country that has like 10 people. So Katie decides she's going to go renegade. She gets to America, quote unquote, and then, you know, sneaks out of her quote unquote fancy hotel 
and what do you know, befriends a dude who's all bland and Lifetime-esque, or Hallmark-esque in this case. Uh, you know, they fall in love, I guess, even though they have less chemistry than, oh, I don't know, two elements that if you put them together, they don't do anything. I'm not a chemist. I don't know these things. But the point being, there's very little chemistry there. But so they fall in love, and there's an evil reporter, and there's a old man magician, and they are not at all in New York. Uh, that's my synopsis. Now, let's get into the rules and the things we expect from these movies. Now, first we have our lead in need of a lesson. Now, this is a weird one. I'm going to say it because let's start with the casting of Brianna Evigan. So four things that are notable about Brianna Evigan, I would say. One is that she is the daughter of Greg Evigan, uh, of My Two Dads fame. This is important because her dad might just make an appearance in the movie, but not as her dad. Now, the second thing that most of you probably know is what is Brianna Evigan best known for? Obviously, the Step Up movies. Remember where she is in parts two and parts five. She plays Ambie. Uh, it's just important. So I see her in a movie. I'm like, oh, she's in a Christmas movie. Okay, maybe she'll dance. She doesn't dance. Spoiler alert. Uh, now, the third thing is that she's also kind of like a, a mini Scream Queen. Uh, she's done a surprising amount of horror films, some of which are very good, like Burning Bright, the movie about the tiger, which is so much better than it sounds. Um, but yeah, so she seems to pick interesting work sometimes. And the fourth thing, that's really the most important thing about Brianna Evigan, aside from being a Step Up movies, is that Brianna Evigan, you look at her, she's a very, very pretty woman, you know, um, probably like in her mid-twenties now, is, you know, like a little skinny dancer and everything. And you probably expect like a certain, I don't know, you'd expect when she opens her mouth, you expect you're going to know what it sounds like, but you don't expect her to sound like a 60-year-old smoker who, you know, plays bingo and, and smokes a lot. But she's got like the most non-fitting voice. And it's, I don't know, maybe some people find it sexy because it is really deep, but it's like deep in a way that just doesn't match her. And especially when you're casting her as a princess, it's a very odd choice. Very odd choice. And again, I don't know how they actually cast these movies. Like, I'm guessing Hallmark has, like, oh, we have 10 movies. So we have to get, you know, uh, we need 10 actresses. Who do we have that's willing to do these things? And maybe they, like, sort of do a, um, like, draft picks where they're trying to figure out which actress to go to which movie. And they're like, oh, Candace Cameron Bure should be in the one about the doctor and, and so on. And then they get to Brianna Evigan and they're like, oh, she's the only one we have left. I guess she's the princess. And it's odd. But anyway, does she need a lesson? In this case, it's kind of a tricky one because she's not really a workaholic. Um, it's more, I like, she's just really trying. All she's trying to do is have a Christmas like when she was little and her parents weren't dead. Like, that's her goal in the movie. Um, it's, it's very little is learned. Very little happens. This is a, a bland one that's only special for being bland in weird ways. Uh, so she kind of breaks our trope in a way. Although we could say a trope that I haven't mentioned that I really should have is that we usually do have dead parents in these movies. Like there's always parents that die and it's always an accident. It's always, you know, a plane crash or a princess plane crash 
or a car accident on Christmas Eve, and that's why they hate Christmas and all of that. So even though, I mean, I'm cheating because I'm kind of making up the rules as I go, but what can I say? She's not a corp. She doesn't work. She's a princess. So instead, she has dead parents. Now, the second thing. Oh, boy. The second thing. So I said this movie is set in New York City, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, and they work really hard to make you think it's set in New York City. And by, by working hard, I mean, you know, there's a moment where the love interest uh, buys Brianna Evigon, Katie, uh, a uh, apple hot dog, like a big apple hot dog. Like, that's a thing. It's not a thing. Like, nobody in New York has ever gone up to the hot dog vendor that barely speaks English and said, can I have a big apple dog? No, fuck, that's not a thing. Uh, you'll also notice how clean the streets are. Now, granted, there's some streets that are, are clean in New York, but but no. Um, and how all the hotels, quote-unquote, are just sort of this, like, giant, clearly a conference room that doesn't even have a concierge desk. It just has, like, a, a table in the middle of it, and that's where the concierge is. It's not how it works. Um, there's, a, like, one taxi cab that they keep showing. They keep kind of, like, it's always in the background. And if you look at the, like, phone number, you know that's not a New York number. But the best thing of all, guys. Because you could say, like, oh, well, maybe people wouldn't notice it and so on. But I am not kidding when I say this movie was on and I'm watching it and kind of giggling at the fact that they're so not in New York. But at one point, uh, I pause it for no reason other than I was going to, you know, take a drink of water or something. And when I did... I happened to pause it on the exact moment that a character walked by and you could see this big marble building with this big old-fashioned writing in it. And you know what it said? It said, the Bank of Nova Scotia. Now, the, you know, the editor kindly didn't show the whole thing. Maybe he was hoping people wouldn't notice it. Um, but yeah, like there's actually screenshot Bank of Nova Scotia. So, you know, like the, the Bank of Nova Scotia that you will find in um, Midtown Manhattan. So now let's get into the love interest and the love interest in Once Upon a Holiday. Oh, I don't think I mentioned uh, the holiday. Like, obviously it's Christmas, but there's also... So let me set up how Katie and Jack kind of meet. Katie gets mugged um, in Nova Scotia because, man, Nova Scotia crime rate is high. Uh, and this man named Jack happens to see it and he tries to help her. And then they kind of keep bumping into each other and keeps trying to help her. But, of course, she doesn't want to tell him she's a princess because um, she's renegated her princess duties and people are looking for her to make sure she becomes a princess again. Um, so she's sort of like trying to go incognito. And she, you know, he says, well, what's your name? And she says, uh, Katie. Katie. And you know that moment on the Brady Bunch when Jan uh, makes up her boyfriend and his name is George. George. And the camera cuts to a glass of water. George Glass. Um, that's what happens in this case where Katie is like, uh, my last name is... And the camera cuts to a, like, paper decoration hanging up in a window that says Happy Holidays. And she says, Katie Holiday. My name is Katie Holiday. Like, they couldn't even just go with her, like, thinking, oh, it's the holidays, or her looking at a tree and thinking holiday. Like, no, they had to actually give you the literal word holiday for Katie to have the idea to say holiday. So Katie Holiday and Jack uh, meet. Now... When I said earlier that when you're casting these love interests, you're sort of going with who is a less interesting uh, love interest on Pretty Little Liars, that, this is the movie that kind of got me thinking that way. Because Jack, played by Paul Campbell, is sort of like a Ezra, he's very Ezra Fitz-esque, 
but again, less interesting and blander and not fun and has zero spark with Princess Brianna Evagon. So Jack's backstory, um, again, we've said one of the important things about the male love interest in this is they usually have to work with their hands, right? They have to be like manual laborers or handymen, or they just have to like, maybe they're a doctor, but they just love to carve furniture like Channing Tatum and Magic Mike, like that kind of thing. And so we get the backstory on Jack, which is that Jack was a like top architect uh, rich architect. He graduated at the top of his architect school because apparently that's a thing. And he was engaged, but he just didn't, his heart wasn't in architecture. His heart was in fixing up apartment buildings with his hands. Like that's really where his love is. He like, and there's a scene of him using a power tool and it's so clear that this actor has never touched a power tool in his life. Uh, so, you know, we're given the quote that his fiance broke up with him because she didn't, quote unquote, sign on to marry a guy who works with power tools because that's like the worst thing, right? Uh, so Jack is on the market, but not, you know, but all like hesitant because his, I guess his last relationship ended poorly. Um, but uh, with, so two days of knowing Princess Brianna Evigan, and I guess they're in love. Again, it's it, like even like they kiss at one point, but it's sort of a her kissing him to kind of hide her face. Uh, and it's still like just it, it's something very uncomfortable about this relationship where, you, you know, when like you really don't buy a romance and you have to watch it and you just feel bad for everybody involved, including you for watching it. Kind of how I felt about this one. Moving on to the next part, we get a montage uh, I'll do you one better, folks, because you can do a montage, which, you know, as uh, Team America taught us, is a great way to show passage of time with, you know, without having to film everything. You know what's even easier and more cost-effective? Have a character pick up a camera that the other character was using the whole movie to take pictures, and have him just scroll through the picture library and look at pictures that happened in the movie. It's like a montage without film, right? It's a montage with a digital camera. And the pictures aren't even good. They're blurry pictures. And the whole thing is that Katie, quote unquote, Holiday, like, wants, likes taking pictures because her mother used to before she was dead kind of thing. Um, so that's our montage. Our montage is literally somebody handing you their iPhone and being like, oh, yeah, look at my gallery. And you're just scrolling through. And that's kind of amazing in its own way. Number five, we talk about the holiday music, or usually there's like that one famous song. In this case, we get a lot of probably public domain carols, but there are some that are used more than once, including uh, Joy to the World, which is sung like three different times, and even has um, Princess Brianna Evigan of Montserrat, famed photographer, uh, even gets to like talk about like, that's my favorite song. I love this song. Oh my God, it brings me back to my kid, my childhood. I love this song. So again, I'm guessing like they, you know, really were proud to get that one in there. Now, number six, which I think is kind of everybody's favorite. We talk about the sassy sidekick. Uh, and in this case, we get um, a sort of, it, it's hard to really identify exactly who it is. Because now Katie doesn't really have friends because she's a princess and princesses don't have friends. But she has her aunt, who's her minder, I guess, um, who does wear earrings. They're not like dangly earrings, but they are like large pearl earrings. So th that's there. 
Um, and she's older than Katie. So therefore, by Hallmark standards, that means she's less attractive. Then we also have Jack's sister. Jack has a sister. Uh, I forget the actress's name, but she's, you know, an attractive woman, but she's not like, again, that sort of hot Hallmark actress hot. Uh, and so she's, you know, she owns a thrift shop. So I guess that's supposed to make her a little bit alternative. So I guess that would be your sassy sidekick in this case. Uh, moving on to number seven, which is, of course, the clawing child. Now, in the case of Once Upon a Holiday, uh, we do get one in the very beginning. Uh, we have a flashback. I mean, we don't know it's a flashback at the time, but later we realize it is. There's a flashback where there's like a little girl playing young Katie with her mother, and her mother is just like, you're a princess. Merry Christmas. Blah. Remember this memory forever, because it will ruin your life, apparently. Um... But the little girl playing Katie, who has maybe, like, two minutes of screen time, is pretty awful and pretty uh, child actor-y, um, very precocious, but in an annoying way. But what's more interesting about this is, so Brianna Evigan has, like, a very um, distinct birthmark on her right cheek. And whether, or left cheek, whichever one, but it's important because whoever they cast as young Katie... Whether they cast her because she had a birthmark or they decided to give her one, regardless, it's on the other side of her cheek. So I don't know if it just happens to princesses where your birthmarks shift, but it does in the case of Once Upon a Holiday. Now, number eight is our slapstick. Do we have slapstick in this movie? And again, no but yes would be my answer to that because, see... I failed to mention a character who we're going to meet in the in number nine, our sage old person. Our sage old person slash slapstick provider is a man named Harry, who is a friend of Jack. Like, Jack doesn't, Jack hangs out. It's fine. Like, we all have friends of different ages. That's cool. But, like, it seems like Jack's only friend is this guy, Harry, who's a retired magician who owns a magician shop in New York City. <laughs> cough, cough. This magician shop, by the way, um is clearly, again, like, just a uh, office building that was empty for a week, and they were like, hey, can we put a box and a big um, magician's hat and maybe a stuffed rabbit and call it a magic shop? That's kind of what they do. So, uh, but Harry runs the magic shop, and therefore we get magic in the movie. We get him blowing dust and making things disappear and pulling quarters from ears and, you know, making princesses disappear and making villains disappear. Because we get a villain in this movie. And he is a, like, low-level, like, New York One-ish uh, reporter who's trying to get his big break. And he also happens to be dating Jack's sister. And he uh, he realizes that the princess of Montserrati is loose in the city, and this is a big scandal, and he can report it. So he's trying to, you know, unveil this story. And of course it's treated like this is the worst thing anybody can do. It's worse than Jenny Garth, you know, being good at her job, is this guy who wants to break his story. Um, so at one point, you know, spoiling the big climax of the movie, uh, is he's trying to find her, and Harry ends up basically making him disappear where he has him go into a, he's like, go there. She went that way and has him go into this like box and he turns it. And then the villain is gone. Maybe forever. Like he might've gotten sent to like 
you know, Hellraiser world. I don't know. It's the more I think about it, the more unnerving it is that he doesn't like show up again in the in the credits, at, like as you know, a homeless guy or something. Like, no, he might have gone into the ether. It's it's actually really disturbing if you let it be. Um, but so our slapstick is magic and making minor villains, you know, disappear into fifth dimensions of Tronness or something. Uh, our sage old person, of course, is Harry, the quote unquote fun old friend who does wacky stuff. You can also, and he also gives like all this life advice, blah, blah. You could make an argument that, um, there's another older character played by Greg Evigal, uh, and he plays not Brianna Evigon's dad, because remember, dead parents, important for sympathy on character. Uh, but he's like her parents' old lawyer, and he kind of gives her advice and helps her, like, escape into the city for a day. Uh, so, you know, sort of like a minor, honorary, sage, older person. Uh, and number 10 is, of course, Santa Claus. Now, sadly, we don't get a case of Santa Claus being real in this movie. Um, however... There, there are some things to note about this idea, because you do have, um, early in the movie, Harry's, like, throwing a party, and there's all these dudes dressed as Santa Claus, and there's a, a moment where they say, like, oh, these are all retired cops and other retirees who, like, want to do good for a day. So you have all these, like, there's all these Santa Clauses. Maybe they'll come into play. And they sort of do. So later, like, Branna Evigan's thing, or Princess Katie of... Montessori's thing is that she just wants to like, go to an art gallery like she used to as a kid for Christmas with her parents when they were alive. So, like, that's all she... Like, this is, again... Like, we talked about some of these movies that have the stupidest conflicts. This one's pretty bad. Like, she's princess and she just wants to go to an art gallery on Christmas Day. But, you know, how do you do that when you're a princess? So, um, Harry enlists his Santa friends to sort of just cause a distraction where there are all these Santa Clauses and they have her dress up like Santa Claus and then run and hide. So it's like, oh, so many Santa Clauses. Which one is she? And then, like, she's not even Santa Claus. She's just walking around the building looking at paintings. Like, that's the thing. Uh, we do get a moment set in Monster Monsteralia, uh, where we just see her in a car, get out of a car, and there's the people of Mon Mon Monterey Jack and... They're, like, it's a very white country, apparently. Some of them are dressed old-timey, some of them are dressed modern, but that's the thing. It's like, she gets out of the car, and that's her princess thing, and, oh, look, there's Jack. He came all the way across, I don't know, continents, or just way up north of Nova Scotia, wherever the hell this fictional country is. And he basically is like, hey, let's spend the rest of our lives together, woman I met two days ago and only learned anything about right before she left to say she was a princess. Um, so again, that is Once Upon a Holiday. It is a Hallmark movie, and it's airing... It's still, like, it's on. You can find it, because it was one of their new movies this year, so they're pumping it. Uh, where does it rank? It's The problem is, it's just really kind of boring, and the only amusing, real amusement of it is how cheap and how obviously not New York it is. And just how, like, uh, we talk about the ones that are thrown together, and at least in some cases, you're like, oh, you know, sometimes they're trying. Jenny Gorth was trying in Holidays. The movie was not great, but you got the feeling, like, okay, she's she's invested energy into this. And, you know, the 12 Dates of Christmas, me and Christine both felt, we're like, no, this, this is a movie. With this one, it just doesn't feel like a movie. It feels like they had these actors on contract, 
and had a week in Nova Scotia and kind of said, um, all right, so what else can we do? Magic? Yeah, let's put magic tricks in the movie. All right, sure. Everybody likes magic tricks. Um, not, not one of the better ones, but again, a great example of the like middle to lower pile of this genre because it's really where the production values are so um, low that you get kind of the taste for when they're just trying to get a formula and put something out with a title that sounds like somebody might like to watch something about a princess. So that is Once Upon a Holiday. Not really a recommend unless, you know, you're a big Brianna Evergon fan, unless you like princesses of fictional countries, unless you like magic, maybe, or maybe if you live in Nova Scotia and want to see your city uh, or your province represented on screen, this is the movie for you. Merry Christmas. It can be